I want to talk to those of you that feel as if your family is facing a deficit or your community or your marriage or your parents. I mean, I don't know that God gave this to me today. It's raw. It's not all fancy and all, you know, whatever. But there's a deficit. Maybe you see a deficit in, you know, your husband's patience or, you know, your child's behavior or friends. Maybe you have a deficit of friends. And you're feeling the drought take over and take hold. There's a drought all around you. But that doesn't mean there has to be a drought in you. And to those of you that are facing a deficit in you, there is a water, living water, that can provide and pacify and put out that drought. And that person's name is God himself. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles, coming at you really hot today. I'm really feeling it. I've been immersed in the presence of the Lord for days now, you guys, really, really focusing myself on my relationship with the Holy Spirit. And y'all know I'm, I'm all about the Holy Ghost over here, but there is something that happens when we focus zero in, and I, I feel a series coming, but when we zero in on our fellowship, and I know that's an old school word, but it still works, our fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God. Um, in the last couple of days, I cannot even describe to you the refreshing, the Bible even says times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. And I mean, it's just unbelievable what a little dose of the Holy Spirit will do in your life. So I'm feeling it today. I've got a message for you guys today that <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Uh, but I really feel like it is a specific, special message for a group of you guys out there that is facing a decline in something. Um, some of you guys out there are, it seems like a chapter in your life is ending, coming to an end and, or provision is coming to an end. And I really, really, really have a special word. So we'll see how this goes after the break. Welcome to the Autumn Mile Show. We are dead in the dead dog days of summer. I think actually, you know, what? I don't even know what a dog day of summer is, but everyone always uses that phrase. So I'm going to roll with it. The dog days of summer. And we've been traveling a lot. We are back from traveling and we've got all the things, all the four kids in the house. We've got the dog. The dog only weighs three pounds, but it's almost like there's a giant elephant in our house because of the three pound dog. She literally thinks she's a Doberman and she's not. She's a teeny, teeny, tiny little dog, but she sounds like a Doberman. Makes sense? Yeah. So we are, we're kind of in that phase in the summertime where mom works full-time, dad works full-time, four kids at home, and a dog. And 
It's kind of interesting the dynamic that happens in our house during these times. It is 3,000% chaos all the time. I have found myself like almost on professional phone calls with people that I work with trying to run away from my kids so that the person on the other end of the line doesn't hear my child who was asking me for a peanut butter sandwich or doesn't hear my child say, mom, can so-and-so spend the night? Or doesn't hear my child say, hey, mom, I'm leaving. I'm going to go shopping. It's, it's that season. And the season in our life has happened multiple times as my kids continue to get older. They're just everywhere. <laughs> They're everywhere. But the other day, and this is what's happening in my life, but the other day I am, I'm working and I've got my computer and I've got my things and I've got my, you know, I do, I do a lot on my phone. I mean, I know everyone loves a laptop where they can sit down and work. That's, that is impractical for me. (laughs) I cannot, I have, my phone has to be able to store everything that I do because a laptop, there's, I just can't sit and have a giant, I have to be mobile because of my life. You know, sitting down at a computer is like, it's hilarious. I can't do it because of everything going on. But anyway, I did find some time the other day to sit down and I was answering emails. I was answering messages, you know, um, all of these things on the phone, scheduling things, stuff like that. And my house all of a sudden is quiet, which is odd. You know, if you've been momming for any amount of time, when it's loud, everything seems okay. But then when it's quiet, it's terrifying. (laughs) What is happening in my house? Because it is quiet. So um, it actually disturbed me. And so I get up and you guys, oh my gosh. I even had a birthday. Her birthday's in April. And you know how it's almost like birthdays are better than Christmas because she she had like 20 friends and they all got her uh, to her party. They all got her like amazing gifts, like amazing. I'm like looking at these gifts and I'm like, I really need to up my gift game. <laughs> but one of the things that she got, and I don't know who got her this, God bless them and we love you so much, is they got her a bracelet making kit. Now, this bracelet making kit is equipped with at least 25 different color beads. It is equipped with multiple thread sizes. It is equipped with beads with letters on them, numbers on them, like glittery beads, all of the things. And I found her at our kitchen table, which we have a couple, we have a few kitchen tables, one, you know, like a special one that no one can sit at. And then we have like an actual one that we get to sit at. I find her making bracelets. This became contagious. And every one of my children, even Jude is sitting down at this table that they're actually not allowed to sit at. Cause it's our fancy dining room table making bracelets. This bracelet making activity ends up going into the evening hours and it starts to move. Okay. We pick up this kit and it moves from the kitchen table and it moves to my room. Well, that's not going to happen because I ain't about to clean up 5,763 different types of beads off of my floor. Not happening. So immediately I bounce them out of my room and um, they went up and we have like a loft 
perch, I would say. It's like it's up at the second level of our house, but you can look over and kind of see the down. I leave, go get groceries or whatever I did and come back and I'm like, hello, because I like to announce that I'm there so everyone knows that I'm, you know, back, <laughs> which just invites chaos in my life. I said, hey guys, I'm home. And I hear two female voices of over the top of my purse say, hey mom, Grace and Haven still the next day after they had made bracelets all the way through the day and into the night the night before are now making bracelets up on this perch okay then um we have a place where we watch movies they are then in the movie room they've moved making bracelets they're then in haven's room making bracelets we i am now the proud owner of 25 beautiful bracelets <laughs> that were handmade for me by every one of my children <laughs> about six of them have broken and we've laid them to rest the rest of them i have in my drawer because i'm like what do, I, what do i do like where are these places at one time and um there are beads all over my house i'm finding them everywhere there were some in the toilet i'm like did someone make a bracelet on the toilet like what is going on here i'm worried they're gonna get in my drains and clog on my drains but you know what started off as a nuisance in my life with this i mean god but whoever i hope i hope whoever's listening to this because you know people people from my town listen to the podcast i just want to say a public thank you because at first i was a little frustrated but after two days of silence it's the best gift that anyone has ever given one of my children i just want to say thank you so that is what's happening in my life it's invaluable what <laughs> silence will do. I got so much done. I was so productive. It was amazing. Anyway, don't forget, you guys, next week we are starting a brand new series called Practical. Practical. But Autumn, walk in faith, but how? Autumn, tame my tongue, but how? Autumn, be nice, but how? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you how. We're going to start a series about it that will start next week. Can't wait. Can't wait. I cannot wait to get to my word for the day from you. And I will see you with that right after the break don't go anywhere every day a new day yeah vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day yeah let's go x y z a yeah what do you do when you can relate more to jezebel rahab or eve rather than esther or mary to her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the biblical harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah.
Okay, okay, we are back, you guys. Yeah, that's my life. I really hope that's some of your life. Otherwise, you know, I'll be weird over here. <laughs> we are going to do a word that I really believe is so specific for somebody out there today. The title of my message is going to be a little weird, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. Let me just start with that. Don't reject the raven. Don't reject the raven. We're going to unpack that here in a second. I have one of my favorite guys in all of scripture, Elijah, my boy, Elijah. Jude's middle name is Elijah. And I come to him very often. And I do believe he's someone that we should study his life. We should study because his life is, there's a lot about not necessarily his background, which I've covered before, but what he does for the Lord. And I've always been really intrigued by the power of Elijah's prayers and by the power of Elijah's relationship with God. It, it is an intriguing thing that, um, which is why I keep coming back. These guys that like roll with God and they're like, you know, the patriarchs of our faith who prayed and a drought happened, who, you know, God consulted with Abraham on whether or not he should destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, he gave him a say in that. When God like sits down with Moses and has a conversation, a very long conversation with him to where it's not one-sided. Moses is not just talking at God. God is talking with Moses. You know, these are the people whose lives we need to um, lean into and watch. This is not just for them. This is for you and me as well. And, and to be honest, you know, I wrote the book Gangster Prayer, which we're about to celebrate uh, four years, four years of being my little book baby, um, being out into the world. But this is one of the guys who helped me practically build my prayer life. He helped me build a relationship with God. You know, you can read all the books in the world and you can hear all the messages in the world and they're amazing people and listen to all the podcasts in the world, this one included, but it will never scratch the itch of communication with God himself. And Elijah was one of those guys who guided me in my relationship with, with God. And I will even say when I feel like my relationship with the Lord is not as strong as it could be, he's the guy who guides me back. He's the guy who gets me back on track. James talks about Elijah and his prayer life and James calls him out by name and James and he says, listen, Elijah was a guy, a man just like you, just like me. And yet he prayed that it would not rain and it didn't rain. And then he prayed again that it would rain and it rained. So listen, guys. We're going to talk about him a little bit today. There's a very interesting twist I want to put in this message about Elijah because there is something so significant hidden in the pages of the scripture on his life that I believe is a message today for you out there. I'm going to talk to the person today. Now, I've talked on this passage a lot. I've never shared it from this angle um, and I even sometimes ask the Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? And God always comes back with a, are you sure? 
<laughs> because I'm sure <laughs> type thing. Um, I want to talk to those of you today that you feel as if for whatever reason and whatever you are facing, and that is vast, you know, I tend to feed you things where you could potentially struggle like marriage, finances, stuff like that. But you know what? This is even more than that. Sometimes I don't even like to feed you those things where you may feel a deficit because I don't want you to get fixated on what I said. I really want you today to figure out in your life where a drought is. Where is a drought? And I want to use the great prophet Elijah, which I consider one of my best friends, <laughs> as an encouragement to you to lead you forward from that area in your life. Now, I will just say I'm speaking out of experience here with my life. You know, there has been so many times where I felt a deficit or a drought. And I will even say this, I do believe that God allows many droughts in the life of a believer to keep us focused on his provision and to keep us focused on his faithfulness. You know, I do believe, you know, Eddie and I were talking the other day about the last 10 years of our life. And we were talking about, you know, an easy year. And we had to laugh out loud because literally we cannot come up with an easy year in our life over the last 10 years because they have all been hard. We've been married for 19. I would say the first couple of years of our marriage was pretty easy, pretty smooth sailing. And then we got serious about attacking Satan. And that's when not one of our, our the years of our marriage has not, not marriage, but things that we faced as a married couple has been easy. He allows droughts in not to discourage you, but to show you that his provision is just beyond the surface of what you are facing. His provision is always ready. His provision is always active. His provision is not asleep. His provision is watching your drought. His provision is present as you are walking through the deficit. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about today because this is what I know. And I'm gonna to get to my text in just a second. Without understanding the ever-present provision of God that is active, that is awake, it's not asleep, it's not taking a day off, the provision, if God is not asleep, his provision isn't either. But we can get so focused, guys, on the loudness of the drought on the loudness of the deficit, on the loudness of the things, the things that are screaming at us, literally, maybe not uh, physically screaming at you, <laughs> like a child when you're on the phone <laughs> with someone that you work with asking you for grapes, uh, maybe not physically screaming at you, but internally screaming at you. We can be so focused on the deficit that we forget that the God of provision is wide awake and active and present and ready to help in times of trouble. I want to read this passage of scripture to you. And, you know, I, the title that I said was don't reject the ravens, which is weird. 
but it's going to make sense in just a second. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, a couple of months ago, I preached a message and I'm like, this is all we know about him. <laughs> really, there's, there's not a lot to know about Elijah. There's not a lot that the Bible says before 1 Kings 17. Okay. And this is really one of the most bomb, amazing introductions that you can get to a person in the Bible. And we're just, well, let me just continue. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, who is the king of Israel. As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before who I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. <laughs> he comes in with a pain. This is why I love Elijah. This is why. What kind of a boss steps up to a king and looks at the king and is like, hey, dude, just so you know, there ain't going to be no rain, no dew these years, except by my word. My word will supersede your word because I have met with God himself. So what God has given me as his prophet and as his servant will supersede anything you, king, can say. <laughs> Dude, he is a boss. That's why I love him. He convicts me every time just by these two uh, verses. Verse three. Uh, excuse me, verse two, the word of the Lord came to him. Now he had just did, this is pretty bold. I mean, it's amazing that Ahab didn't say, okay, off of his head, like we're done with this dude, but he kept him around, which I think is so interesting. Ahab, although evil, married to Jezebel, extremely evil, which is why the drought was called for, kept him around. Isn't that interesting? Which tells me something about Ahab. Although he didn't follow the principles of God, he did secretly fear him. The word of the Lord came to him saying, verse three, go away from here. Now this is God. God is saying, go away from here, turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. Now, Ahab didn't kill him in the moment, but he, he was about to get really, really mad. He was about to search for him to try to, okay? I want to focus on this two and three uh, before I read through the rest of the passage. The word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, go away from here, turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan, okay? So he had just told Ahab, no rain, no dew, except by my word, you can just shut it there, little king, because there's a king of kings who is about to school you in what power actually is. And the Lord then was faithful to him and said, okay, go away, hide yourself by the brook Cherith. Let me go on. It shall be that you will drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the brook. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. And Elijah is the one whose word stopped the rain. <laughs> That's crazy. 
The word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to provide for you there. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get up and give me a little water and a jar that I may drink. And we're going to stop it there. Elijah predicts and calls for drought. And it happens. Now, the drought was a consequence of Israel's actions under the rule of Ahab. They had given themselves to idols. I mean, some of the stuff that they were doing was disgusting, you guys, with these idols. And Israel had said, we're, you know, now, now clearly there were some people that believed in the power of, of Jehovah God, but a lot of people have fallen away because the evil leadership had gave them, given them license in order to do that. Okay. So God said, enough's enough. He brings drought and he brings it through the word of Elijah. Now, Elijah, Elijah has to suffer because of his own obedience of delivering that word to Israel. He has to suffer until God steps in and does something incredible in a very crazy way. Oh, Lord, let me unpack this the way you gave it to me. This is a special story because while Israel is facing a drought and Elijah is in the drought, there is provision for Elijah that is not given to Israel. I want to talk to those of you that feel as if your family is facing a deficit or your community or your marriage or your parents. I mean, I don't know that God gave this to me today. It's raw. It's not all fancy and all, you know, whatever. But there's a deficit. Maybe you see a deficit in, you know, your husband's patience or, you know, your child's behavior or friends. Maybe you have a deficit of friends and you're feeling the drought take over and take hold. There's a drought all around you, but that doesn't mean there has to be a drought in you. And to those of you that are facing a deficit in you, there is a water, living water that can provide and pacify and put out that drought. And that person's name is God himself. I want to show you and, and paint this picture that while Israel was going through a drought and, and um, Elijah was consequently going through a drought as well, he didn't suffer as a result of the drought because of his relationship with the Lord. I want to talk to you about these ravens for a second because I think it's fascinating. The word of the Lord came to him, First uh, Kings seventeen two, go away from here, turn eastward, and hide yourself. Hide yourself. We all want to be seen today. I want this many followers. I want so many people to hear my show. I want so many people to see the good deeds that I did. But sometimes, 
Sometimes in order for God to, to completely overwhelm you and provide for you in a season of deficit, whether on the outside of you or on the inside of you, hiding yourself is necessary. Getting into the secret place yourself, choosing yourself, not God hiding you like he did with Joseph, but choosing yourself to say enough is enough. Enough of this stuff, this loudness that is going on in my life. Enough is enough. I am going to hide myself in the secret shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to hide myself in the secret place with God. Go away from here. Turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Now, this is interesting. I hope I made the point clear that although Elijah was in the drought and called for the drought and was a part of the drought, he himself personally did not suffer as a result of the drought. And the reason he didn't is because his provision was never from the rain. His provision was from the God who provides the rain. And if God can provide the rain, then God can provide him, a faithful follower of God, the provision to make it through the drought. Does that make sense to you? Those of you that are following the Lord and that are faithful for the Lord, and you see what's happening in the world right now, and you see what's happening to your 401k, and you see what's happening to marriages and to the church and to the pastors and to this and that and the other, you see what's happening. But if you have a faithful communication and communion with God himself, although you're in a drought, you don't have to suffer because of it. I think we forget that while God was judging the nation of Israel as a whole, he was not judging Elijah because while Israel was unfaithful, Elijah, a part of the nation of Israel was faithful. And he used something to provide for him that is so weird. <laughs> us a raven. To those of you out there that are fearing and you're looking at, you know, whatever, what's going on uh, outside of you, the drought, and maybe even what you're seeing is causing a drought on the inside and your faith and your doubt. I want to tell you very clearly that that drought oftentimes does not even have to affect you. God looked and said, you know what? I want you to go by this brook. You shall drink of the brook and I've commanded the ravens to provide for you there. I want to tell you there was always provision. Now, the ravens are weird. <laughs> I actually looked up ravens. I've studied ravens a lot because of this passage because I'm like, God, that is like so and weird. God commanded birds. God commanded uh, the drought. And now God is commanding birds to take care of Elijah so that he doesn't suffer as a result of the drought that's going on in the nation. God commanded birds. God commanded ravens. 
He didn't even command little doves. Like, listen, I have cardinals outside of my house and I have, I try to command the birds because I'm like, my mom hates birds. I don't know. And Grace doesn't like birds either. Like birds come after an attack grace all the time we always go to the zoo and she's like terrified of the birds and i'm like what do you think they're gonna do come like eat your eyes like (laughs) get a grab get over it (laughs) it's fine um but uh, nevertheless she's scared of birds a very unrational fear i feel like i on the other hand love birds i think they're great i have lots of and, and grace hates that i love birds but i have bird churches because i feel like birds are holy because of doves i feel i love songbirds i always get up in the morning and i go outside and i do my my bible and i'll sit and I'll know it's morning. Oftentimes it's really early. And most of the time the sun isn't even up yet. And if it is up, it's weird because I'm like, wait a minute, I missed my, <laughs> I missed my sweet spot time, especially in the summer when it comes up so early. But I have like a bunch of, th- I have a hummingbird feeder because I love the hummingbirds. And sometimes I feel like they're giant wasps, but they're not, they're hummingbirds. And they, so they came around. Then I have a couple of, of bird churches, a bird house, a bird church. My bird church keeps because of the winds we're having in Texas keeps coming off and and shattering on the ground. But I keep to the best of my ability food to feed the birds because I like the birds. And we have several families of cardinals that live right around our house. So we'll see. And and Moses knows all of the statistics about cardinals. It's unbelievable. That kid's brain is, he is a genius. He'll be like, mom, did you know cardinals are this and that and cardinals are this? And we have blue jays. And I love blue jays. I just think they're so beautiful. And, you know, I love to see the colors. And we have just so many little bird families. that live around our house. We had a little robin egg nest that we have a lot of rose bushes in the back of our house. And we had a little robin egg bird nest and it sat there for a long, long time. And then the little bird, all of a sudden one day, Moses and Haven checked on it every day, religiously. And all of a sudden, the um, one day they were gone. There was no birds, there was no shells, there was no nothing. And I'm like, well, I wonder if they fell out, but they were just gone. Like, I don't know what, maybe overnight they learned how to fly and they flew away. Like, I don't know what happened. Moses and Haman were devastated, but I love birds, but never, never, not one time has a bird ever brought me food or brought me meat. I'm the one who's feeding the birds. I'm the one who's enjoying the birds. And yet God says, it shall be, you'll drink of this brook. And I've commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Verse five. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and lived by the brook, which is east of the Jordan, hiding himself, getting away, obeying, doing what God said. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he would drink from the uh, brook, the provision of God during a drought often comes from a weird, unexpected, unplanned, and often unwanted place. Let me say that again. The provision of God during a drought, listen up, often comes from an unplanned, unexpected, and often unwanted place. 
if a bird would come deliver me a loaf of bread, you're probably going to see me taking the loaf of bread and putting it in the trash. If a bird is going to bring me a hot dog or a steak, you're probably going to see me taking that hot dog or steak (laughs) and putting it in the trash because it's dirty. And sometimes when we are in the midst of a drought, a faith drought, a money drought, whatever it is, a health drought, provision is there, it's active, it's engaged. God has a raven assigned to you for provision, but often we reject the ravens because it is not the type of provision that we actually want. If Elijah would have rejected the ravens, he would be dead. He would not have made it. He would have passed away because the drought was just that bad. But God always gives us an opportunity to be provided for. And it's our job to not have an expectation on how God's going to come through. It's our job to say, God, this is not what I was looking for. This is not what I expected. This is not even what I want. But God, if this is you, I'll take the bread. I'll take the meat just so I can sustain through this period. So I don't have to suffer because I've been faithful from the drought of those that weren't. I want to read to you guys a little, um, Ooh, this is so good. You guys, this is so good. Thank you, Lord, for your word. This is so good. I want to read. This is so weird. Why in the world would God choose a raven? (sighs) Ravens are highly intelligent. They're excellent hunters. Isn't that interesting? They're excellent hunters and Elijah needed meat but they were birds. It's interesting. You know, he could have, he could have called like a lion. (laughs) Isn't he the lion of the tribe of Judah? Well, yes, he is. But a raven gets up above everything and a raven looks around and a raven's able to see exactly where the meat is. So he can dive down, get the meat and put it high above the trees and deliver it exactly to Elijah so that no other predator can get it. Raven can mimic human voices. Ravens gesture to communicate. Ravens can live anywhere. In the midst of a drought, obviously animals would be dying because there is no food to feed them um, and there's no water for them to drink. And so there was no doubt a massive amount of animals that died. But a raven They're excellent hunters and they can live anywhere in any type of hemisphere. They can live. Ravens remember faces. This is fascinating, you guys. So as you know, maybe a robin wouldn't remember a face. A raven knows exactly because he remembers faces exactly who to deliver the food and the the bread and the meat from because God has put it in him to remember faces. The provision of the Lord is so complex. So the raven wasn't delivering it to, you know, King Ahab in the castle. The raven knew Elijah's face. So he delivered the food to Elijah every single day in order to keep him alive. Ravens have friends and enemies, just like Elijah. A group of ravens is called an unkindness. 
You guys heard the poem, The Raven Haunted, the Raven Edgar Allan Poe wrote. It's um, absolutely terrifying. Ravens are considered dirty birds. But there are specific things about ravens that they could have only been used in order to do the specific task of keeping Elijah alive. I don't think Elijah would have personally chosen a raven (laughs) to provide for him. They're dirty birds. They're kind of mean. They're not trying to be your best friend. They're actually used in, I mean, in Edgar Allan Poe's um, poem, you know, it's all about like haunted stuff. Like they kind of represent evil or darkness or whatever. And maybe God in one way, and, you know, I'm reading into this and this is totally, you know, autumn theology over here, but, but maybe in some way that picture of what a raven represents was also what God was doing to the nation of Israel off the top of my head. A raven's dirty. It's not very nice but it's effective. It's a good hunter. It remembers faces and it gets the job done for God. Elijah would have never chosen a raven probably, but that's who God commanded to provide for him. What's my point? My point is this. When we are facing a drought, provision is there. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is true. He is a faithful God. He is faithful to the hundredth generation. He is faithful forever. In Revelation, we see him call himself faithful and true. The provision is there. But often, God will raise up something that is unwanted, unexpected, and really undesirable to provide for you, to sustain you through that drought so that you aren't affected. And I just wonder today, are you in a drought? And is God trying to provide for you through an unexpected, maybe even unwanted place, but you're rejecting the raven? I knew a guy years ago. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. <laughs> he's not. I haven't talked to him in years. But I knew a guy years ago, and um, you know, my husband and I, we we disciple a lot of people. We we meet with tons of people, marriages, you know, all the stuff, you know, but pastors, all these things. And um, this was someone that was no different. And um, this was years ago though. And he, he wanted to be a manager and I don't even remember, (laughs) this has been a really long time. I don't even remember if he had like a place where he wanted to be a manager, but he did not want to take a job. He was unemployed. He wanted to be a manager. He wanted to be hired on as a manager and he didn't want to take a job as anything less than the position of manager. So consequently he had no money he could not provide the the things that he needed there was constant prayer request for god's provision but what actually needed to happen is his 
heart needed to change towards the type of provision that God was offering. He wanted to be a manager, but you know what happened while we were counseling and talking to him? And I think eventually we just said, listen, we can't help you because we're giving you the counsel that we believe God is giving you, but you're not receiving it. Um, he wanted to be a manager. That's all he would accept. He would not expect accept anything less. We knew that we were working with someone that had pride in their life, but yet he kept getting offered jobs. Hey, I've got this position. I know so-and-so needs a, a position. I've got this position. Um, I'm willing to have him come on. I can definitely pay him. And he rejected every single lower job other than manager. And guess what? He never, from what I understand, maybe, maybe he's a maybe he's the CEO of a corporation now. I don't know. <laughs> but in the duration of our counseling with him, he never got offered a management job. He was in a drought. He was in a financial drought. But all along, ravens were placed along the way saying, I got you here. I got you a nice job at Home Depot. I got you a nice job at Starbucks. You can work here. You can work there. You can work there. But his pride was greater than his opportunity. And he was in a drought and he needed the ravens. And God was providing the ravens but they were ugly, they were dirty, they were weird, and he rejected the ravens because of his pride. And listen, I have done this too in my own life. God, I want this. And God's saying, but, but I'm trying to give you this to sustain you through this time. God, I want, I, I want to be free from anxiety in this season of my life. I want it to be gone. I feel a deficit of peace. I want my anxiety to be gone. Okay, 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 okay. Will you schedule time? That's just me and you in the busiest part of your day? Well, no. Well, I'm offering you a raven. It's not practical. It's not convenient. It's weird. But it's something that'll sustain you. I remember getting this. I went through so much anxiety, especially starting the ministry. And I would battle with God. God, I'm going up against tell and all of this stuff. And I'm full of anxiety. And the Lord is saying, okay, okay. I, I have the uh, kryptonite to your anxiety, but you, you have to do this. And I was saying, but God, I can. Do you see my schedule? Do you see what I'm doing? Oh God, I can't do that. And I got to a point one day where I was so overwhelmed with anxiety and um, that the Lord said, get on a plane and leave. Tell Eddie where you're going. <laughs> you need time with me. And I went and I spent two or three days just alone, just me and Jesus. And that was years and years ago. And every single year I do the exact same thing because it's inconvenient. It's weird to get alone and only be with God for several days in a row. In a row. It's weird. But I was going through a drought and I needed a raven and the raven was inconvenient, but it was extremely effective in getting me through that season of our life. What we are doing today is we are rejecting the ravens that God is placing in our lives. And when we do that, we will continue to face the deficit until we see that provision is there. Provision is active. It is ready for you. It just sometimes is inconvenient. It's um, weird and it comes from an unexpected place. So my point today is I want you to open your eyes to the ravens. Have you had uh, conflict in your marriage? You see a deficit there, a deficit of unity. 
Is there a raven of compromise somewhere? Don't be like the guy who's like, manager or nothing. I'm a manager or nothing. Well, great. Well, then you're going to (laughs) starve. I believe that we are in a season where God is creatively providing and we are obstinately rejecting. Don't reject the raven. And if you don't see any ravens, ask God in your own quiet time, is there something I'm missing? Is there something I'm missing? Because just like God protected Elijah from the death of the drought, he protects his faithful ones. He just uses something weird sometimes to sustain us. Lord, we love you today. Thank you, God, for all of the ravens. (laughs) So many ravens. That you have placed in my path. Thank you, God, that you are provider, sustainer. You haven't changed. Even when circumstances have, you haven't. You won't. You can't. Thank you for being the faithful God, even in seasons when we don't even realize you are trying relentlessly to be faithful to us. And God, I pray, and I do know, I do know this, this was from you, God. I do know that. I pray for that person out there today that is, this is resonating. It's resonating. I pray, God, that you would open eyes. Lord, I see just like, um, you know, someone that needs glasses. This is kind of the vision that I'm getting. They go to the eye doctor and their vision is so blurry. And then all of a sudden they put on the correct lenses and they can read that line. That E-G-H-T-F, whatever it is in the doctor's office. Give them 2020 vision on where you are going to provide for them. I thank you for the weird provision. I thank you for the unexpected provision. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are ever present and you walk through our drought with us. I thank you that you protect us from suffering, from things that we didn't cause. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are good. And I trust you. And we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. I'll see you after the break with a question and a testimony. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. 
And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. I am obsessed with the word of God. I am obsessed. (laughs) You will never scratch the surface of the end of it. I am obsessed with it. Never. You're never. You don't know it all. I have studied this book specifically inductively for 20 years of my life. And I know some people have got 40 years under my belt. But let me tell you, sister, we ain't even scratched the surface yet. Keep growing, keep pressing, keep learning, keep asking God, what is an insight that I need to see? Keep pressing in. I don't care if you were born on the parking lot at the church and you think you whatever, you don't. Press in. God has so much to tell you. Oof. Oh. I love that, guys. I'm not even going to lie. Okay, we got a testimony from y'all. Y'all are amazing. Y'all are amazing. Testimony. You recently posted, which I did. (laughs) Amanda's like, did you do this? Because she's been on vacation. You recently posted about how God never tires of helping and comforting us. Your post was about how the Lord said to you, I will tell you as many times as you need to hear it. And I did post that. And I posted that multiple times. And that is exactly what the Lord said when I was struggling to believe truth. This was verbatim, word for word, what I needed to hear. God spoke these exact words to me through you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, thank you for following along. I will have to say God spoke that to me when I was in I don't know. You know, uh, let me just say this from that testimony. Satan's lies are always very believable. And a lot of times it's like a little bit of lie and a whole bunch of truth. And he knows exactly how to manipulate even the greatest believer, even the strongest believer. He will manipulate truth with a little bit of untruth. Often you won't even realize it until you realize it. And when God gave me that word and everything I post with those black notepads um, on social, God actually did tell me. It's not like I'm like just (laughs) coming out of nowhere. He actually did. But I was in a season of my life when it was so hard for me to believe one truth that God cut repeatedly tell me. And I couldn't believe it. I don't know what it was. It was like a mind block. I was being attacked. It was a mind thing. And all of a sudden God said, it's okay. I'm going to tell you over and over and over and over and over and over and over as many times, Autumn, as you need to hear it. I'm here for it. I'm going to help you through it. And let me tell you, it took a couple of years for me to believe what he was saying. And I teach this stuff all the time. So when God says, I'll tell you as many times as you need to hear it, he ain't joking. I want to tell you this other thing too. Um, my daughter is, she's definitely got the gift of the prophetic. And I, I want to share this because I think it's interesting. She's got a prophetic gift and we all know it. 
it's a, a blatantly obvious prophetic gift. So if you're weird about prophecy, you know, I don't know, just read about Elijah. <laughs> Hopefully that might make you not weird anymore about it if you feel weird about it. But God does speak through his people, period. Anyway, she's definitely got that. I also have a prophetic gift and, you know, so I, I can identify, you know, things in her. But let me tell you this. She had a dream the other night and it terrified her. And I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this. It terrified her. She was scared. She was shaken. She was shaken because of this dream. And it was about me. <laughs> and, um, you know, she comes downstairs and she's like, mom, I had this dream. And I'm like, okay. And she said, and you said this, you quoted a verse to me. And um, I said, okay, well, okay, I'm hearing and I'm listening to her talk about and her kind of unveil this dream. And, and I said, you know, repeat that verse that I said to you again. And she repeated it to me. And I said, you're terrified over this? She said, yeah. You feel like it's real, one of those dreams? And she, she definitely has prophetic dreams that, that have come to pass. But I said, Grace, the verse that I said, that you said, in your dream is actually not the verse. It's a big portion of the verse, but the last part of that verse is not in scripture. The enemy is messing with your mind. And all of a sudden there was like a veil that came off to her because she had believed this dream and she didn't realize that Satan had snuck into this dream. What she thought was prophetic wasn't, it was satanic. Snuck into this dream, a little bit of a lie with a lot of truth. And then I kept telling her, I am so mad that I didn't quote the verse right in your dream. I'm offended by that because she knows how much I love the word of God. Anyway, I will tell you as many times as you need to hear it. Anyway, that's a testimony from you. Love you, love you, love you out there. Thank you for sending this. Okay, so here is a question that comes and comes from someone very close to home. I'm not new to the concept of using anointing oil as I know friends that have used it in prayer and anointing their homes, precious space. And I've even been in a space in which my friend group, friend anointed our group with oil and the peace that came, she was beyond comprehension. However, I don't know how one practically goes about acquiring anointing oil. <laughs> And what using in accordance with the word of God looks like. What are some of the purposes of using anointing oil and how does one get some and what is it, what is the act of using it do? Well, I think um, when you're talking about anointing oil, let me take you, I'll just show you exactly. Now, the oil is used multiple, multiple times in scripture to anoint kings and, um, you know, there's lots of verses about oil, but one that I, we, that a lot of people use comes from James 5, 14. It says, this is any among you sick, then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now there's a lot of different things that I could say here, but I want to just keep it very, very practical. This is a practice that is used that God asks us to do. And the oil itself doesn't really have any significance other than it's an obedient act that God asks us to do. Okay. I want you to think of the anointing oil like communion. 
It represents the anointing of the power of the presence of the spirit of God. You think of communion. We take communion a lot of the, on our church. I love communion Sunday. Okay. We got the bread. We got the cup. Bam. Now is the bread or the cup of juice or the unleavened bread, is that God's body and God's blood? No. But what does it represent? It rep we are remembering and representing what Jesus said for us. The same is true. Anointing a body or uh, someone with oil that is sick or anointing them into the ministry is representation of the power of the presence of God. Listen, just like the lamp, the blood on the doorpost. You can't come in here. I anoint my house with oil all the time, especially when I feel like we are in a season of attack. And you can go through every single one of my windows has a little dab oil. <laughs> and I do that just as an obedient act. The presence of God lives here. We believe in the power of the presence of God, not because we're doing it because of our own selves, but because in James, it says, especially specifically with health issues, call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil. That is kind of a broad answer to that. But the question also said, um, where do I get anointing oil? Well, you know what? It's not about the oil. It's about the God who blesses the act. And I mean, you can get oil anywhere. I've used olive oil to specifically anoint our home before. Someone brought me oil back from um, olive oil back from the Garden of Gethsemane when they went to to visit it one time. So it's not necessarily about the oil. It's about the command of the Lord to anoint them with oil. So I hope that that helps. I hope that answers all of your questions. And I know this was a little bit longer, but come back with us next week for practical. I'm not super into like topical preaching, but I really do think that in the wave of healing, which we've done since the beginning of the year and practically applying the word of God, this is an amazing, it's going to be an amazing series for us. So love y'all. I will see you next week with practical right here on the Autumn Mile Show. I'll see you then. Have an awesome week. Thanks for tuning in to the Autumn Miles Show. Be sure to follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube to stay connected and in the loop with what's happening with the ministry. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. AutumnMiles.com is also the place where you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. She is devoted to spiritually challenging people and the way that they think. She is a passionate advocate for the Word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. Reach out today and book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Just go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab. Then scroll down for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode of The Autumn Miles Show.